0: It's not about planning and fixing the future and everything. It's about, wow, how do I want to live and co-create with my financial resources such that I'm truly living in and, and expressing my, my values, what matters most, and that my living legacy as well as my lasting legacy feel good. Have I been kind? Have I been generous?
1: Like it or not, you, me, and everyone else, we all have a relationship with money. And for the most part, it's a complicated one. My name is Sean Maslick. Welcome to the Most Hated F Word Podcast. As a certified financial planner, I want to take you on a journey as we throw out the technical finance books and shift our focus towards our minds, our money, and what matters most. If you're looking to improve your relationship with money and build true wealth, you're in the right spot. Finances. Does not need to be the most hated F word.
2: Welcome back to the Most Hated F Word podcast. This week I sit down with Gail Coleman. Gail's the co-founder of Coleman Knight Advisory Group and a nationally recognized innovator in the field of integral wealth advisory services and an author of the new book The Body of Money, a self-help guide to creating sustainable wealth through innate intelligence. Gail brings over 30 years of experience as a financial advisor, registered investment advisor, and a wealth coach. Her unique approach to wealth advisement does not only focus on the exterior part of finance, but also the interior side of money. In this episode, Gail shares her insights on somatic finances and how our relationship with money can guide us on our own whole human journey. She explains the three core body centers that she outlines in her book, the head, the belly, and the heart, and how they can act as portals into ourselves to help us find our own innate wisdom and whole self. By embodying our whole selves, Gail says, we can start experiencing life from an authentic way of being, finding peace, contentment, and wholeness through sufficiency. You'll hear Gail talk about what sufficiency means and I appreciate how much thought and care she has put into picking this word sufficiency. This was a wonderful conversation. I encourage everyone to go out and buy Gail's book. I know you will enjoy it. I hope you enjoy this fascinating conversation with Gail Coleman.
1: Gail, welcome to the show.
0: Thank you. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here.
1: Yeah, I'm excited for a conversation. We were just chatting before we recorded and I feel good right now. So thank you for the preamble.
0: (laughs) Thank you. It was a sweet connection.
1: Your name has come up over the last three or four or five years. And I've always been interested in your work around the body and money. And then your book came out and a few people recommended it to me. As I was reading it, I felt drawn into each page and just the underlying message behind what you were trying to to explain from really this open and wholeness perspective. So I'm really looking forward to getting into your book. But before we get into the book, I thought we would start with a quote or more so a statement I've heard you say many times or seen it online. And I thought maybe you could give your explanation or perspective on the statement from your perspective today, where you are at in your journey. And the statement is, wealth is more than money.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you for that invitation. I think in our world, we talk about, you know, what is wealth? There's the question of what is wealth? And a simple response to that is wealth is more than money. And that leads us into, okay, what is beyond money? And it takes direct experiences for us to be able to truly recognize that wealth is beyond money. For example, our health. If we're healthy, we haven't had any limitations. Sometimes we don't recognize how important health wealth is in our life. And I remember I had to have surgery on my foot, you know, many years ago, a couple decades ago, and I'm hobbling around. And it was that moment I was, I was really deeply immersed in, wow. I so often take for granted my ability to walk, run, play tennis, you know, drive a car. And I began to notice all of the other people that I had previously not noticed that who struggle with walking or some kind of physical limitation. And so when I talk about wealth being more than money, it's really every aspect of a, our human life. And I'm not saying uh, that we. Can't be happy if we are in a wheelchair, perhaps, or if we've, we've had some kind of critical situation or that our life isn't wealthy at that point. But I'm saying that every moment we have an opportunity to recognize that this is it. What's bringing me joy and happiness and meaning right now in this moment? That's wealthy. And it doesn't have to do with what is in my bank account or the number on my investment statement. How's that?
1: That's great. When you said this is it, it's three simple words, but I mean this is it, what we have right now, this conversation or this moment right now is what I'm hearing, what you're saying is our experience, the word you used, of I guess well being, of wealth is this is it right now. When you said what is wealth before we started recording, I I shared with you that somehow me and a friend wrote a album about my money story and one line is from one of the songs is what is wealth is it money gold or a treasure no vault can hold when you said what is wealth it made me think of that
0: oh i love that and as you said it i could just feel ripples of my arm you know and i and i was like yum sing it can you sing well, it no i don't sing it. <laughs>
1: it the line is what is wealth is it money or gold or a treasure no vault can hold
0: no vault can hold Oh, isn't that beautiful? Yeah. Oh, yum. I'm going to riff back to this is it, if this is helpful. It's sufficiency in this moment. And that's one of the portals in the book. There's different portals in the book for deeper exploration. Say it's a treasure portal, let's call it that, where we can only know what is sufficient in this moment in our body. So the words plenty, enough, the words we sometimes typically use in in finance to to determine answers for our situation, they take us out of right now and they take us either into the past or the future, where we're now in our head trying to calculate, trying to imagine. And so let's go back to just this moment. Feel your bottom on the chair. Just feel being here. And I know, and you check out for yourself, but I know right now I'm okay. And I feel happy. I feel happy being connected to you. And I know I'm safe. I'm connected, dignified, I'm worthy. And so sufficiency is right here, living in this moment. What's true for you?
1: I'm putting you to work. <laughs> yeah, I know as you're saying that, I pulled out that section on sufficiency in your portals, and I believe it's under the belly section. And as you're talking, I could feel my belly just feeling good. And this going back to, I like this, this is it. And I I believe what I'm hearing you say is that comes from this idea of sufficiency. When you wrote that section on the belly in the book, how did this word sufficiency or this way of being sufficient Come to fruition, and i in that section, I, I like how you talk about we find sufficiency from within versus the financial instruments. So with your lived experiences, how did you start to really come to realize that sufficiency from within and not those financial instruments?
0: so it was a journey, I will say, and I'll just kind of popcorn some some points on that journey. I always knew somehow that our well-being and sufficiency didn't come from the money that external sources in our life. And in financial planning early on, I remember, you know, I started in the 80s, we create these wonderful financial plans that were financially accurate and right. And then we'd struggle implementing them or, you know, they'd be partially implemented. And so this was some of the earlier landscape of financial planning. And so if that's happening and I'm going, well, this, this isn't working. This is not really good financial planning. If our clients aren't really able to implement and can't benefit from it. So the, the word sufficiency started to come into play. Certainly in the nineties, when we had, you know, behavioral finance came into play and, and the psychology of money, but it was, it was, um, you know, just a kind of a, I was going to say maelstrom, but maybe more of a a kaleidoscope of a lot of different things happening at once. And I started to really look at deeper into what, you know, what is, you know, we'd ask what is enough? Those questions, what is enough? What is plenty? What is abundant? And what I noticed is, you know, certainly with the, what is enough, that number kept changing. So it wasn't really being met by what's actually happening in my reality it's happening and moving from what we are thinking what we believe what are those limiting money beliefs what are they you know the the things that i have not really looked closer at what are my fears and and scarcity and then what is a what is plenty also during this period i'm in my own somatic practices that help me to Uncover and discover more and more about, you know, these words that we're using. And when I tried on plenty or abundant, it, it still was kind of wobbly. It's like I still consume energy trying to do something with more than enough. It's really subtle. So this answer may be kind of con- confusing, but the funny part is when I landed on sufficiency, that was the, you know, one end or one part of the, the virtuous flow. And I had held workshops and participants didn't like sufficiency. They wanted more and they was told, get rid of that, get, you know, use a different word. And I was like, ooh, this is good. If they don't like it, there's something to play with there. And sufficiency matters because it does take us into just this. and. The amount of energy we consume is impeccable. It's like the least amount of energy that we consume. And so that is what's so fascinating because that's where we feel most alive, right? How can I be most efficient, most in this moment, all of my, my, in integrity, that's what it is. It's like this integrity, high integrity. So nothing is wasted. I'm thinking, oh, am I leeching my bones for calcium or something because I don't have enough calcium, you know? Sufficiency is this, this, this really beautiful way to wo- move in the world that doesn't require a lot of thinking or doing.
1: What a subtle difference. And I can feel it actually. Like it seems like abundance, there's this desire or longing for still more where I'm hearing you say sufficiency is, I'm okay, this is it.
0: Let me just tag something there that those of us who might have more than enough requires our energy, our attention to manage it, to do something with it. And that may be fine, but it's really something to explore. What am I planning for? What am I saving for? What's happening right now that is fully utilizing my energy, and amplifying, nourishing my human journey. Because we don't truly live every moment like, you know, it could be the last day. And wow, what would that be like? So more than enough, if we have more than enough, that's a really interesting place to get curious. It's not about planning and fixing the future and everything. It's about, wow, how do I want to live and co-create with my financial resources such that I'm truly living in and, and expressing my, my values, what matters most, and that my living legacy as well as my lasting legacy feel good? Have I been kind? Have I been generous?
1: As you're saying this, like, have I been living to my values? What matters most? Have I been kind, generous? Living this more and guess embodied relationship with our money I think it I think it'd be good to go for those listeners who aren't familiar with the somatic finances how we were talking about the the belly part and I think that's the second window or portal in your book can we touch on I guess zoom out a bit on what is somatic finances and I just want to say a bit for myself as a practicing cFP for years you said something that Caught my eye, wrote it down. Oh, financially accurate. Yeah. For years I was trying as hard as I can to be financially accurate. And I was very rigid in my beliefs in how I came to those calculations. I was doing them on my own without many consultations or conversations with my wife. And over the last few years, as I found myself less tense, feeling more feelings, feeling more emotions, and feeling my what my body's telling me, I started to learn a lot more about myself. And that's what really has drawn me to your books, your book around somatic finances. So can you explain what somatic finance means and what significance does embodying this idea of, or this way of being somatic finances, what significance can it have on our, on our lives?
0: Yeah. So let me, let me answer the second part first, and then I'll give a statement about somatic finance. You, you answered it already. Well, I'll kind of unknit that, your answer. If we're relaxed in our body, if we feel more open, we're able to bring more of ourselves to our conversations related to money, being accurate, having the right answer. I mean, as I'm saying that, I'm, I want you to know I've got my fist <laughs> yeah. open here because that's what it I does. Feel that. <laughs> yeah. I want to do it right. I don't want to mess up. You know, we've got our, our critic in our brain going, don't F up. And so we're immediately scared we're tense fear has a physical sensation doing it right has a physical sensation and that's the world we've been sw- we typically swim in that's what most people swim in around money because they're scared so when you describe you know i i got a little bit more open i felt my body and i i got more relaxed that creates more space that creates more possibilities so Wow. All of a sudden. So I've let my hands go. I'm like, I'm like, huh, I can breathe. I'm not in that this moment and spinning in my brain trying to figure out something to do it right because I, I'm scared. But right now, you know, I'm like, okay, now with my body, I can go, okay, let's just take a beat. Huh. There's no urgency. There's no, you know, the proverbial saber tooth tiger or whatever behind me and from there more possibilities emerge and it's you know brain science tells us that so yay our scientists our the, the academic in us can be satisfied that oh yeah this isn't just some weird thing that's being made up it's true and even more important i can feel it i can have my own direct experience and begin to trust my innate wisdom so somatic finance is Bringing our financial practices together with the wisdom of our body, which is our innate wisdom. So it may seem weird, and I it, it guess it is weird because it's never been directly pointed to and put together. But I don't want it to be weird. I want this to be our way of being in the world so money isn't just sitting over here dealing with and the rest of our life is over here. Because that was what I experienced when I'm practicing financial planning too for, for many decades of going, here we are talking about your life. And then, and then all of a sudden I can see the posture shift. And this is my money. And this is what you can tell me about. I can tell you about my money. And then it's like, okay, so let's bring this tight, feared, crunchy aspect of life. And let's bring it into a space of welcoming It's important, it's not serious, very different. When we get serious, we get pointed, contracted, and we we think we need to know something. When we get curious, we know it's important, we actually honor this work in a much more sacred and holistic way.
1: As you're saying these words, I'm just thinking of the traditional system of how we approach finances. You said, welcoming, important, not serious. I look at how it traditionally it was done. Not so welcoming if we have to drive up to these big high-rise buildings, park downtown, go into a, a building. They're in a press suit that looks very formal. These calculations are very serious. The conversations are very serious. It's our, it's our life. It's whether we can enjoy retirement or not. I can't see how that allows us to use your words again to be open and just feel I can be. Where did that distinction come from you? I believe around 2010, 2011, you really started talking about somatic finances. At what point did you formalize and be like, ah, this is, this is what I want to pursue?
0: Well, before 2010, I was asking the question, well, when are we going to bring the wisdom of our body into matters of money? So I was asking that, well, in you know 2003, 2004, as I was having... My experiences through the different practices that I had was engaging, and I brought it to my you know study groups, to my peers, to people that I deeply respect. And you know, at that time, we were still trying to integrate. You know, how do we work with the psychology? Am I? How do we? You know, what are the questions we ask? What are the processes that will engage us in the interior? You know, I studied and and believe in and trained in, in integral theory. And which is Ken Wilber's work, and you know you can Google it if you're not familiar with it. Whoever's listening, and it's really good stuff. It's very heady, but application of it, I think, is really gorgeous because it does honor our whole human journey. It's complex and it's it's very interesting. But but the short short end uh, or one of the the lenses is the, are the quadrants, and you know the left hand side of the quadrant is the interior the right-hand side of the quadrant is the exterior. And so our money journey can be, you know, seen through this lens. And so we were very skilled in the exterior. I think we're very proficient. And that's where most of the work is, you know, lives. The, you know, and you were talking about it, the big tall tower and three-piece suit and, you know, let's get down to business. The interior has, you know, always been a journey. You know, what is that? Because- because the first thing is, is we as as practitioners need to know what our own journey is. I can't go anywhere with my client that I haven't gone myself. I've said that many times before. so we have to be courageous enough to get uncomfortable because it will be uncomfortable in a in a place we haven't been to explore that, and so that was what I was doing and 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 practicing myself and so. I kept asking the question. And I, you know, I, I, I did say, somebody really needs to bring these two things together. It wasn't like, oh, I'm doing it. I'm like, someone needs to do this. Someone who, you know, have you thought of this? Someone needs, I'm not kidding. And then finally, I really, I pause. I'm going, gay you are walking deeply in two different worlds the somatic world, with you, somatic meditation, breath and body work, all, you know, and directly with clients in financial planning. And I kind of was like, I think this is you. And so that was when I began to write about my experiences. And then in 2011, it was like a lightning bolt, somatic finance. And I was like, "Ah, I don't don't want that. (laughs) You know, know, I was scared. It was one of those moments of, you know, Fritz Pearl, fear is excitement without the breath. I was excited and I, I was not breathing. And so... There was a, a gravitas to those words. I mean, I I want to hold these, and I I actually had an experience with a friend. We were we had just um, we had just done a holocracy training, which is a whole nother thing. With you probably know Rick Kaler, given his company a, a training on it, and we both happened to be flying on the same flight. And so she was like, "Gail, what's your work in the world?" And this is what I wrote about in the beginning of the book, and said some answer, and she said, "I don't know what you're saying." You know, it was like. And then I said, okay, these words have been on my mind and I just, I can't get rid of them. You know, it's like somatic finance. And she, her mirroring of, of what the potency of those words were, really, I mean, it just went through my heart and, you know, spread throughout my body. And I began to cry and I went, you know, you're not in Kansas anymore, whatever. I've got to... You know, and then I would say in that moment, I've never really realized this. I think my whole, my whole life shifted from being about me to being about, yeah, you really need and are called and to offer something in the world that no, nobody else is offering or they're offering in a different way, but whatever little slice you are a part of, pay attention. And nowadays I'm reflecting on or polarities, the, the just suffering the atrocities across the world, and I don't need to go through them. Anyone who has not been living under a rock knows how, how things are going. So I think about, you know, the, the bridge, like these polarities, and what's my rock I can bring to the bridge? And what's your rock? And what's your rock? And let's keep bringing our rock, our pebble, our stone to the bridge so we can walk across and meet each other so I'm getting teary-eyed right, right now because this this is what matters to me. And if this little book can help in that way, I feel like I've, I've done something that's mattered and that makes a difference. And I believe that's what we're all trying to do is certainly know that it's what many financial planners are trying to do for their clients and in their practice. We're not going to get there from just thinking about it and and doing the same thing we've done over and over again and dropping down into our heart and into our belly and into the, our direct experience of life is going to be that, I was going to say that way, that that opportunity. I don't know what I've said. I've said a lot. Fuck too much.
1: <laughs> no, not at all. Thank you so much for sharing your story. And I mean, for everyone listening and definitely myself, what a story to hear about someone with who's courageous, a leader to listening to themselves. And you could, you could feel the work of this somatic understanding our bodies in what you just explained as you felt called to, to do this. You were looking for someone else to do it, but you felt called. You could feel it inside of yourself. And I think it speaks to what you're talking about the whole human journey is I feel like I hear you talking from all, your whole self. And that's why you could, Go to the beat of your own drum when everyone else wasn't doing it and not be pulled by what you should do, rather you you did what you were called to do, and I think that speaks to hearing your body what your body has to say, and I think that's a testament to the work you're doing and I can't imagine what it must have felt like on February seventh when your book was published after all these years of thinking about it and doing the work, but getting out to the public for people like myself to read. What did that feel like to see that book go live?
0: I'm still, I'll say processing it to be frank, truth, uh, truthful. I'm, I had my thoughts of like, Oh, Gail, you, you should be, you should note to anyone. The word should is just key it up and go, Oh, bless that thought and let it go. But I, I had that thought. I should be elated in all of these excitement pieces. And I, I'm still processing. I, because I've got my own journey of joy. So what I'm playing with now is how much joy can I feel? How much am I willing to let myself feel? Which surprised me. I feel like I'm a pretty happy person, love to play, love that feeling of joy. But, I'm, but what's happening is my idea or experience of joy being this big, elated expansion, laughing, is really deepening and widening into the tender gratitude which which also welcomes and holds the grief that goes hand in hand i'm actually crying for
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah publish a book and you too can weep i'm so happy let me say this i'm so happy it's out there for you and readers and anyone who's drawn to it that makes me so happy and feeling responsible for it to move in the world and go where it, it will be of most benefit, which is completely out of my control. But that's, that's what I'm, I'm playing with right now is trust and allowing and letting go of all of the things you're told you need to do. Like this book mm-hmm. got published, not because I followed some traditional way and I won't mm-hmm. bunk that rabbit hole and tell you how it happened, but yeah I'm just I'm happy it's out there and I'm I'm practicing just like I'm inviting everyone else into this it's not like I've arrived somewhere I still practice all of this stuff I am right there walking with everyone on this path and let's hold hands let's you know support one another and you know invite us into our direct experience and do some things differently
1: the way you said uh, the holding tender gratitude and grief hand in hand, same time, and then you followed up later saying that, you know, you're still practicing, I think really speaks to the authenticity in this book because you can feel it as you read it that, yeah, you're not done. This isn't the summit of a mountain. It's not a checkbox. You wrote a book, you're a published author, now you got to go sail off in the sunset. And I think that, like I said, that authenticity comes through and it is word you keep using, inviting to the, for the reader to feel safe to go through these tiny practices, as you call them, throughout the book. So I really appreciate that, that approach you took to the book. I want to go back to the the three body centers of somatic finances. So we talked about the middle one, the belly, but can you go through the head, the heart, and the belly? Or sorry, I got to the wrong order.
0: Yeah, super, super. Yeah, the head is our, our archetype of the academic knowledge, which is important in and money and, and knowing different aspects of our financial life. The heart is the archetype of the philanthropist, which is where we feel our center of connection. When we practice and we get really familiar with the space in our heart, we come to recognize that it's it has a very horizontal, open space, that we are expanding and including the welfare of all, ourselves as well as others. And then the space of the belly, this belly center is the archetype of the capitalist. And that's the space where we feel a sense of safety. We feel grounded and rooted. It's the center of creativity, our strength. And when we get to to experience the space of the belly, it's really, it's it's somewhat vertical that we're rooting down, recognizing that we're okay and safe and rooting up. So or or flowing up to, you know, being here, I'm here, I'm okay. That's a taste of those three centers. And the importance of that, the importance of these centers is to recognize that we all have a preference of one of the centers. We orient, I, I say, from one of those places. I would say that many I don't want to generalize, but i will I will say, you know, certainly many financial planners orient from the academic and, and write me so. cog, I, I love numbers and all that too. I mean, I think it's you know, information is juicy. it's just partial. And then some might orient primarily as a, as the capitalist, you know, being able to get things done, move things forward a little bit harder, a little bit more rooted and, and strong, that's important. It is important to be able to take action with the decisions we make. And it's partial. And those that orient from the heart as the philanthropist, are very open and, and other-oriented, you know, often thinking of others before what we need. And so that's really a beautiful way of being too, of, of being very generous and empathic and and see multiple perspectives. It's partial. It's important, but it's limited and it's partial. So, so the importance of the three centers is not to type yourself and say, this is the way I am, but to recognize that every situation, every moment calls for some kind of balance among the three centers. And what I would say is that we, what we really want is to have the, the beauty and the intelligence of our, our brain And the energy and power of our belly to meet in the center of our heart, and to be able to move through the world with truth and energy and generosity. Truth being what is knowledge, energy being what is sourced through our power and our strength, and love and generosity and connection through our hearts. I don't, I don't know that that's done much. I, you know, I can't say I always do it, but it's an aspiration. I mean, yeah. So. That's that's those are the three centers. That's a little bit about them. And more important than you listening to them and understanding is for you, to, you listeners, whoever wants to play, is to go and practice and see what your heart feels like, see what your belly feels like, and rejoice in that you have this body that has this beautiful wisdom to share with you to to support you.
1: And I hear you talk a lot about this in the book, this wholeness and open to ourself. And it really just, you can hear how these three centers bring those separate or silo pieces of us into this wholeness. And if we just focus on one, maybe we don't have our whole self. And perhaps that's what the rich life is, is living in that authentic whole self. For listeners who heard you say this, again, talking about, somatic finances, listening to body, you invited people to play. How would you suggest someone starts if they're like, I've never heard this before, somatic finances, how can I start? What do I do? Of course, get a copy of your book, but someone listening, what would you say to them if they were, their curiosity is piqued right now?
0: Yeah. Well, first of all, yay. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, do a little jiggle and say, oh, I'm so happy that I'm, something's piquing my interest, uh, you know, and let me also say for the skeptics, yay as well. I mean, it's important to honor your skeptic. I have a well-developed skeptic too. So so wherever you're at, wherever you are on that continuum of, you know, openness to experimenting, just go, wow, this is where I am. And and take a moment to um this is kind of a checklist, just from what you've heard. Do you feel like, you yeah, know, man, I I'm I know I'm an academic or I'm, a, you know, the way of the philanthropist or the way of the capitalist, if you're way of the academic, the way you're going to find comfort is more information. So yeah, reading. Get a book and read it or sign up for my blog or I don't know, go look at Somatic Finance and see see what information is out there. You might also be interested if you're really geeky, which I am, check out Stephen Porges work and Deb Dana's work and, um, polyvagal theory and, and understanding how our body has beautiful wisdom to share with us. And so you can find, you will find comfort in that information. If you feel like, you know, you're high energy, the way of the capitalist, you might want to just read like the first part of the book to get a, a sense of orientation of, of what this is. And then your own practices of, you know, begin to get curious about your own practices that are very physical. You, you know, how, what practices do you have that, that generate creativity and strength? And ask yourself, how does money relate to this aspect of my life? By the way, Sean, I'm making this up right now, talking. So if this doesn't land for anybody, that's okay. Okay. If you orient as the way of the philanthropist, you really want to be connected to something or some someone. So yeah, read the book and then you will probably find of interest the fruition section because those stories really connect the reader to something beyond just us. I invite everyone to... Begin to become aware of what's my body doing? What is my body doing in space? How do I feel? Just and and a daily tiny practice, choose one. Find one from the book or just, or belly, heart, spine. Begin to begin, become familiar with what does my heart feel? What does my belly feel? What am I thinking? What's going on inside my body? What are my thoughts? What are my feelings? Do I feel happy, sad, glad, mad? And- don't attach something to it. Don't go on to your big long story about how, why you're sad or happy or whatever. Just go, mm, I'm that. And then take that and go, and where's that, that sadness located in my body? And when you notice the sensations in your body, just feel them go, mm, okay. There's sadness feels tight and warm in my chest. So we're beginning to, to knit together what it feels like to be human. What does it feel like? And it may be uncomfortable, but discomfort is part of being human. Whatever disclaimer I want to say, if you are severely feeling something and you need support, because we do have trauma lodged in our body, get support. This journey, including our, our body wisdom is courageous. It's not for everybody. And so I don't know what every individual situation is, but body is your ally and is only going to present to you what you are capable of receiving when it shows up. So that's one thing that I believe and have experienced. Some things may be painful, some things may be uncomfortable, but skillfully choose. And yeah, I did. And I don't know, I'll leave. How's that? Is that helpful?
1: It's so good. When you said discomfort, is part of being human I can't even recall for how long I avoided any discomfort especially around money discomfort of feeling maybe I'm not saving enough or I remember at some point I found the fire community the financially independent retire early and as a guy who was really hyper vigilant in savings and afraid and wanted more money that community was like fire or gasoline on my fire there's a lot of fire in that sentence there. I didn't mean that, but, and it was just based out of fear and fear of not having enough. And the reason why I guess why your work really resonates with me is over the last three or four years through experiences, like you, you talked about earlier, it's through experiences that I think we can become, become more attuned to our, our way of being. But through experiences personally, I had to, I had to wrestle with that discomfort and. Through that, it revealed a lot about my relationship with money, what Sean's wholeness is. And personally, I can't say enough about the work you're doing and listening to our bodies. And because I think there's a whole story that at least I know for myself, I ignored.
0: Thank you. I really appreciate you sharing that. and I think when we share that we're all having a similar experience, we feel like, okay, I'm okay. I belong. I'm not. Out here and by myself, you know, the, the belly center is where we get to deeply attend to our fear. That probably is, you know, from your question before, is a reliable place for everybody to start. Just feeling, feeling your belly, breathing into it and recognizing that right now in this moment, I'm okay. What's so important is that discomfort shifts when we give attention to it instead of resisting it and pushing it away, like we talked earlier at one point about armoring and contracting, if we just soften and allow, then our body naturally supports that opening and us being more comfortable.
1: Such a powerful thing that it supports us just being. And I think when we can witness somebody or see them, it really gives them, the security or the comfort to be themselves when we just see them for, for who they are. And I think as practitioners like yourself or myself or other people in this field, when we do, as your point earlier, the work on ourselves, then we can sit with those others and see them.
0: And let me just say this one thing too, because yeah. sometimes this is missed. Nothing needs to happen differently for our clients. Your presence and your openness and, and receptivity as it's happening is impacting your client so that he, she, they may open and feel more comfortable as well. So the more comfort we feel in our body, the more embodied we are, which is, is presence, then that radiates to everyone and every, everything around us. And we are not having to do anything except be. And that sounds so woo-woo, you know, but it's not. It's an imperative.
1: Well, I think you gave an example of the power of that just by you being here during this conversation because I felt super comfortable. Me too. Oh, good. And the last thing, I see the time here, I pulled out a quote that I just, for me, I don't know if it's a quote or if I summarized it, but I, I wrote it from your belly section, but you wrote, the belly is an anchor to our wholeness. And that really resonated with me of how we can find so much of ourselves through, through our belly or through our, what's our gut feeling, as we call it. And I really get the sense from your book is you're really helping or inviting people to find their whole self. And I think that's such a wonderful gift.
0: Beautiful. Well said. Yes, yes, yes. Yes.
1: So my last question that I I do ask everyone is, let's imagine you're at end of life, whatever age that is, and you're sitting on a front porch, sufficient, feeling sufficient, this is it. And you're looking at a view that brings you peace. It could be a mountain, a lake, anything. And you decide to take out your notebook and write your children's children a letter on what you learned, what it means to have a happy, healthy relationship with money. What would be a theme to that letter?
0: You know, I'm not sure money would be on that page. The word money, what immediately arose is this warmth in my heart and love. That is all that matters. Love big, love often. I love you. Does Great. that sound cheesy?
1: No, <laughs> no. It, it sounds real.
0: Yeah, you know, I've been like, and yeah, I'd be looking at an ocean. An ocean.
1: I feel like I definitely got that ocean theme from your book. Yeah. Lots of ocean metaphors. So I I felt like you loved the ocean. Well, thank you so much for joining and I appreciate you taking the time borrowing a few extra minutes as well. For those of listeners who want to find you mentioned your blog, where would you point people online for your blog, your book, and any other resources that you may have?
0: I'd, I'd point them to my website, somaticfinance.com. And there's lots of Lots of resources and goodies on there. And um, I will be bringing forward some opportunities for more, you know, practice and play. But there's so much available in the book and in the practice guidebooks that are on a companion website on on Wiley. Also, coming and putting together now are audio recordings for the practices because it's obviously much easier to engage a practice when you can listen to it, you know. So that's sufficient for now. How's that?
1: (laughs) That's wonderful. We'll include those in the show notes. And I just want to say thank you so much for joining us.
0: My pleasure.
2: On a mountain without a top, my wealth is measured and now I spend my time But now I write freedom story with every breath inhaled Money is not the boat of life It's just the wind in the sail.